whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four river heads. The name of the first is Pishon. It is the one which skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bedillium and the onyx stone are there. The name of the second river is Gion. It is the one which goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hedekel. It is the one which goes toward the east of Syria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Verse 20. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they both, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Praise God. Genesis 2 provides us with a sequel to chapter 1. The narrative moves in to examine sacred space and the vitality of a purpose-driven life. This vitality emerges in Genesis 1.26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Genesis 2 describes godly gifts. God's will and completeness in community. Genesis provides us with the opportunity for an in-depth study of beginning, beginnings in a straightforward historical narrative, including geographic and social cultural studies. I have found myself responding to the text with a, a deep sense of awe and wonderment at the majestic machinations of God's involvement with man. God is a faithful provider, James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, 
with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Having described each day of the creation week in Genesis, Moses zooms in and provides further information about the creation in the following chapter. In Genesis 2, 4, a name change occurs. Instead of God the Creator, Elohim, becomes the Lord God. Genesis calls him by his proper name, the only living God, Yahweh, God. The center of the record becomes the man God created. His name is Adam, a word that means man. It comes as no surprise that God fashioned the man from the Adama, the dust from the ground. He is only dust until God breathes life into him. With breath, man becomes a living being. The account reveals how God formed man of the dust of the ground, verse 7, and unlike the account of Genesis 1, 26 through 28, the verb in the Hebrew is not create, bara, but form or fashion, yatsar. The word is used referencing a potter or woodcarver forming a material into something. God assigned man. He had God assigned the man that he had formed to the perfect environment to accomplish his will, the garden he planted eastward in Eden. Genesis 2 and 8. Although the garden did not contain the thorns and thistles that would be prevalent on earth after man's sin, uh, chapter 3, verse 18, the garden does require man's attention. Thus, God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend, to dress or cultivate, and keep or sustain it. That would be chapter 2, verse 15. The work assigned to Adam in the Garden was not punishment. He had the opportunity to dress or cultivate the bountiful blessings God provided. Man was to be in physical proximity to the rhythm of God's food chain. Man is provided with a purpose. Through the maintenance of his gifts, there is spiritual prosperity. Work is part of our created mission. Work should not be viewed as an intrinsic evil. Although some aspects of difficult labor are tied to Adam's sin, Genesis 3 17 through 19. God assigned work to man prior to the fall. Rather than seeking to avoid work, we are to perform our tasks with resolve and perseverance. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Jesus amplifies the nobility of work well done, Matthew twenty five twenty three. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. When God planted the garden and placed man in it, No sin was in the world. 
the mention of trees pleasant to the sight and good for food, Genesis 2.9, and of rivers that watered the earth <clears throat> is a reminder that the Lord God provided men with the bounty of the earth. <clears throat> Centuries later, Paul reminded an audience at Lystra that God had not left himself without witness. He did good, the apostle says of God, and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying our hearts with food and gladness, Acts fourteen seventeen. In the language of economics, we call this the philanthropic principle. God was investing in man with the expectancy of man's obedience to his word. Excuse me. <clears throat> God continues to shower man with blessings. As he examined man, God observed, it is not good that man should be alone. Adam was created in holy fellowship. He required a familial environment. God recognized that he had created a need. Every time God creates a need in our life, he provides a way to fill it. I will make him a helper, a helpmeet comparable to him, Genesis 2.18. Man was incomplete without woman. God recognized in his creation the need to establish a relationship among equal partners. Relationships promote the idea of empathetic appreciation of others. Authentic community is a reflection of God's communion with mankind. Men and women are complementary one to the other. The first poem in the Bible is Genesis 2.23. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. This covenantal relationship had the potential to provoke an inherent connectedness, a bond that is a transcendent blessing from God. Not only does Genesis describe the beginning of the universe, of the earth, of living things, and of man, it pauses to mention social and spiritual realities. Genesis describes the beginning of the home, the beginning of sin, and the beginning of the redemptive plan of God. When some Pharisees told Jesus, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss a wife, citing Deuteronomy 24 and 1. Jesus answered by citing Genesis 1, 27 and 2, 24. For this reason, the Lord said, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave or be joined to his wife and the two shall be one flesh. Marriage is a model of commitment to a union. Monogamy is a gift authorized and sanctified by God. God wanted mankind to obey the absoluteness of his creative energy, to maintain his way. Man had the freedom to choose to obey. The freedom that God infused in man's heart of mind calls out for our obedience Deuteronomy 30, 14, and 15. But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life 
and good, death and evil. It is up to us to recognize the perfect liberty that is in Jesus Christ. The two trees mentioned in the text play important roles in this account and elsewhere in Scripture. The first prohibition recorded in the Bible is attached to the tree of knowledge of good and evil, Genesis 2:17. The first sin occurred when Eve and Adam violated God's restriction and ate of its fruit, chapter 3, verse 6. Because of their sin, they were forced to leave the Garden of Eden and the Tree of Life, 324 which had this tree of life had previously been accessible to them, chapter 2 and 16. This separation from God determines spiritual death leading to eternal death. The record of creation after Genesis 2 and 8 concerns the relationship between God and humankind. God as creator of the universe appears in Psalm 33 and 9, Jeremiah 10, 12 through 13, and notably in Isaiah 42 and 5, where it is written, This is what God the Lord says, the creator of heavens, who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to his people and life to those who walk on it. And 66, Isaiah 66 and 2. Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declared the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. The biblical narrative focuses on God and man, first mankind in the whole, and then the family of Abraham, then the people of Israel, then mankind on the whole again. Yahweh God is one. He is the universal God who reveals himself in his son, Jesus of Nazareth. The first book of the Bible is a record of beginnings and genealogies. Not only, not only does the written narrative describe the power of God in creating, but from the beginning, he is a God of grace, compassion, and love. Genesis describes how sin came into the world and how God made a way for mankind's redemption and salvation. Let's reprise these three God-given gifts noted in the text. Chapter 2 and 15, the gift of work leads to accomplishment, discipline, the skills of commitment to task and service. Chapter 2, verse 16, the gift of free will, where mankind is given choice to follow God's way. And chapter 2 and 18, the gift of partnership, where men and women live in holy matrimony. In the detailed historical account of Genesis, God filled the void in the universe by creating the heavens and the earth. He filled the void on earth by bringing forth living creatures. He filled the ache of loneliness in man by providing woman. He can fill the spiritual need in our heart when we embrace the word and 
Follow in the blessed footsteps of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Genesis 2 and 25 note, They stood naked and were not ashamed. They stood without sin. What about you? What about me? Where do we stand? Paul says it beautifully in his testimony in Romans, Romans 1, 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And then verse 17. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. That's my lesson for you for today. Again, Genesis 2, 8 through 25, God planted a garden. Our next lesson on next week will be from Genesis 3, verses 1 through 19. Genesis 3, verses 1 through 19. And the title of that lesson will be Temptation Enters. Thank you for listening. Let's go to God in prayer. Father God, precious Abba, creator, Elohim, blessed Yahweh, we come with heads bowed in all humility. We come with no shame toward your word, your gospel. We come with thanksgiving in our heart for your gift of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray for the poor in spirit, those who are near and and those who are far off. We pray for the bruised, for those who are sick and shut in, those who are in mourning, those who are behind prison walls. We come for those who are suffering with the ongoing consequences of this pandemic, for we are all in this together. Thank you, Father, for your many blessings, for your grace, for your mercy, for your long-suffering. Please forgive us of those things where we fall short, Father. Father, we thank you for being in the midst. We thank you for all the daily opportunities to serve you. These and all other blessings we ask in the most gracious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, thanks. Thanks for listening. Uh, I pray that something was said that was edifying and uplifting. Stay safe. Bye for now.